joining me. I'm Professor Alistair Duff and this is the Research Rules Podcast. In this series I examine the rules of academic research. I've taken an alphabetical approach and last time I did A, as you might expect, and the topic was anonymity, if you want to look that up. Today I want to talk about something beginning with B, namely bibliography. Bibliography literally means description of books and it's a very important domain for any student and any academic and I'm afraid to say there are strict bibliographical rules. Some people don't like this because it's strict, they find it irritating, but I actually love it. In fact, I did a lot in a previous incarnation of what's called bibliographic instruction, where I educated students and professionals about bibliographic rules. So let's look at some of the strict rules of bibliography before I'll go on to try to justify them in a more general way. And the first rule is that a bibliography must be distinguished from a reference list. They can be identical, but they can be different. A reference list contains material that has been cited in your text, whilst a bibliography can mean a list which contains material that you've read but haven't cited. Now, sometimes a reference list is called a bibliography, and I'll interchange in this podcast. The second rule is that you have to use the reference system required, whether that's for a dissertation or an article or a book. You need to observe the system that the genre, the medium, demands. And there are two main systems. First of all, the author year system, also known as the Harvard system. And second, the numerical system, also known as, or it's less well known, but it is sometimes known as the Vancouver system. And generally speaking, the Harvard system is prevalent in the sciences, including the social sciences, and the numerical system is prevalent in the humanities, although I've noticed the Harvard system taking over the Vancouver system, even in many of the humanities. The systems have to um, be observed, and let's talk about the author year system. If you cite someone in the text, you need to put the bibliographic details into the reference list, and you need to put the author's name, or rather surname, into brackets. So you would say it has been argued open brackets, usually round brackets, although that can differ, sometimes square, but let's say round brackets. It has been argued, Jones, 1974, close brackets. And then that's the text citation. And then in the reference list, you have Jones and the rest of the details about that source. The reference list is in alphabetical order by author surname 
in the Harvard system. Now, one mistake a lot of students make and some professional scholars is that they don't give the page number in the text citation for their citation. And you must do that if you're referring to a specific part of an article or book. You must say Jones 1974 page 7 if you're directly quoting Jones or indirectly citing Jones. If you're referring to a specific part of Jones's article or book, you must give the page number or numbers. If it's a long reference, long citation, you must give the page range in your text citation. So don't make the mistake of omitting that, as a lot of students, in my experience, have done. It's actually lazy to do that. Within each system, there are particulars of notation. For example, in text citations, for some journals, they want you to have a comma after the author's surname, and in some, they don't want a comma. So you need to get that right as well. And the numerical system also has peculiarities of its own, and you need to find out what these are for the journal you're submitting your article to, or the rules of your university for dissertations, if it uses that system. You have to obey these rules or you will be penalised. And that's for good reason, because if we all do it our way, to quote Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, then it would be a mess, wouldn't it? And we wouldn't have any sort of order in scholarship. I edited a big book recently, over 500 pages, with 25 authors, and each of them seemed to have their own idea of how to cite, even though I had given them strict instructions and said I would be enforcing one common code upon them all. But some of them didn't like that, and it was like herding cats in some cases. And the result is... I hope, a well-edited book. In fact, it's been described as that. Readers do not want to see different citation styles in different chapters of a book. They want to think that the editor has taken an overall view and normalised the material so that it all looks the same, apart from, of course, the content. References should also be, here's another rule, accurate. Well, that's obvious, but studies have shown that 5% of references, about 5% in journal articles, have some error, some omission or some error of notation. And I do hope that you won't join that ignominious 5%, but that you will be punctilious about your referencing. Another thing I should emphasize is that, that it, it is unethical to put material into your reference list which you haven't cited. And sometimes students are caught out doing that, but sometimes they're not caught. But it really is claiming something that you don't deserve credit for. So don't, don't do that because it is unethical and it violates bibliographic rules. What about the length of your reference list? Well, that's a more difficult question, and there aren't strict rules on this. There are just norms. 
it's really a case of, to quote the old cliche, how long is a piece of string? Or to quote Aristotle, one of my favourite authors, he talks about a baker who is asked how much of each ingredient should go into a cake. And the baker replies, just the right amount should go in. <laughs> and that, that is how it is with your research. You should put the right amount of references into your work and not too few and not too many. But I'm afraid I can't be more specific than that. I will add this though, it's a tip, not a rule. Do cite everything that you've read. There's no point in doing background reading and then not citing everything that you've read that's even vaguely relevant. And if you say, well, I don't have time or space to, to do that, that's not true. You can simply say, see also blogs 2022, Jones 1984. You don't, that only takes up a few words and then you can legitimately put blogs and Jones into your reference list without extending your word count too much. So these are some of the rules that you need to know. And I want now to just justify bibliography and these rules, because I think they can be justified. And there's actually a whole science called bibliometrics. I don't know if you've heard of it, which uses techniques like co-citation analysis to build up maps of scholarship, maps of science. And what these people do, these researchers, is they look at which sources are cited by other sources. And you get to a position where you can do maps of the interrelationships between different authors, different fields, you can show how much women are cited in different fields. So you can look at gender diversity. You can look at the export of ideas from one discipline to another. And you can look at relationships between nations, which nations cite other nations the most. And if you Google the term bibliographic map, you will see some fascinating maps of knowledge. And they're actually quite beautiful, some of these maps. I studied information science and the professor there wrote a classic called The Citation Process. And in this book, he describes citation, citations as frozen footprints on the landscape of scholarly achievement. Isn't that beautiful? Frozen footprints on the landscape of scholarly achievement. And what these footprints do is allow you to follow others down the path they have blazed and it allows others to follow your path. So it's terribly important bibliographic um, notation, bibliographic rules. It's important for the building 
up of knowledge. I'll tell you the first thing any reviewer of a manuscript at a journal does is look at the bibliography of the manuscript because that says how much the author knows and it also shows where they're coming from. And here's a little tip. You should try to cite the people you think are going to be reviewing your article or your manuscript. Same with dissertations. It's actually disrespectful not to cite people who are going to be marking it if they have written on your topic or near it. So that's expected and that is not a form of nepotism or corruption. But more objectively, bibliography is about respect and um, honouring people showing what has been done before you come to the table. Because as Aristotle said, you, we must start always with what is known. And that is about the literature review. That's about the scanning of the literature. And that is about bibliography before you try to do something original. So bibliography is not a matter of stupid rules like some school rules. It's about ethics and it's about respect and it's about contributing to scholarship in a way that is intelligible to others and that can stand the test of time. So don't blot your copybook by abusing the rules of bibliography, by not observing the rules that each um, genre has in scholarship, but instead be a good scholar and for the greater good as well as your own career, respect bibliographical rules. I hope you found this a little bit useful, a little bit of knowledge. I'm just giving snippets in this podcast series. This is Professor Alistair Duff and the Research Rules Podcast. I hope you'll join me next time for something beginning with C. I won't tell you what because I like to build in suspense. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you.